With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And with three seconds left, Cleveland triggers in. James, two seconds, one second for the win! LeBron James delivers! Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. One of the biggest moments of the NBA season has occurred. The Atlanta Hawks have parted ways with Mike Budenholzer. Uh, To break everything down, we have a special panel here. We've got Carter Rodriguez, who is making time on his wedding week. Carter? Hashtag wedding week, baby. No, of course. Uh, Of course. Uh, What uh, Justin meant to say was that LeBron James just hit a... Game winner, uh, three uh, to put the Cavs up three two on the Pacers in a series that has consistently felt pretty brutal. Uh, it's uh, it's nice to have a little bit of optimism um, heading into Game Six. Yeah, in, in a uh, series that has felt a lot like 2010, LeBron has given us a 20. Uh, a 2009 moment with that game-winning shot. And we have a special guest with us to help break everything down and, and give us some outsider's perspective, which we definitely need at times. Dave Dufour. Dave, welcome back to the podcast. You are officially one of our recurring guests. That's awesome. I'm excited to be here. Even more excited that Carter isn't dodging me this time. Yeah. Yeah, I did dodge you last time. Yeah. Um, Happy to be here. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Me but, too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we can just go ahead and dive right in. Um, obviously, a pretty amazing moment uh, that was preceded by seven and a half minutes without a field goal for the Cavs, <laughs> but, which is crazy as they blew a pretty good lead. Um, but I'm interested in what you think, Dave, uh, right off the top, because... Um, full disclosure, I, I came in um, at the very end of the first half, so I only saw the second half. Um, but even through that drought, I felt like they were generating really, really good looks and just not making them, which I think is more encouraging than what happened in the first four games of the series, which were prolonged stretches of forgetting how to play basketball. Are you seeing that as well, Dave, or do you think that this was just a fool's gold win? Well, there was fool's plenty. Gold win. There was plenty of basketball amnesia. <laughs> For both teams, right? On both sides, if you will. Um, There was plenty of that. And uh, I I, I think you kind of nailed it. They were getting good looks, and they were missing a lot of them. Uh, The the Pacers, if I can start there. Sorry, my 
sorry, my dog is uh, very excited about this. We got a four-way podcast, fan. Yeah, we got a four-way podcast. Yeah, he's he's definitely a big. Uh, he's really into corn. Let's put it that way. Um, so, uh, as I was saying before, my dog threw me completely <laughs> off track. I'm in the middle of moving, so like I'm I'm in a like a guest house, and I don't have my my normal office space. But uh, so the the Pacers were were actually getting uncontested elbow looks almost every single possession. And uh, they just weren't doing anything with them. And that that basically allowed Cleveland to maintain a lead, and, and Indiana had to come back. And Cleveland didn't help themselves out by increasing the lead when Indiana couldn't score. It really was a, it was a comedy of errors from a basketball standpoint. And, and they were – sorry, guys, give me one second. Sorry. This is, no this is driving me crazy. Leave us <laughs> in the podcast, though, because this is great. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, fill up, I'll filibuster a little bit. Um there you go. Um, yeah, I, the Cavs kind of went back on their formula because when you look at Game 2, which they won, they only won one quarter. Then in Game 3, they won two out of the four quarters. Then in Game 4, they won three. Then they went back to one, which is apparently the way that they have to win at home. Um Man, it, it was just such a weird game. In the first half, nobody could hit an open shot. Um, and then, as Dave was alluding to in the fourth quarter, Indiana w- was getting some open looks, or at least they were left alone at times and were indecisive with the offense. And the Cavs just weren't able to capitalize at all, and, and they weren't able to give themselves any breathing room. And LeBron, who looked gassed for most of that fourth quarter just found a way to kind of dig into the reserve tank there and come up with two two really big plays in the game's final seconds yeah i don't know it's it's weird with the Cavs because like yeah so much of their defensive strategy is like i think uh low zach low referred to do it as um uh tax surrender design designed as tax tactics or something like that like that like it looked like they were doing something but really they're just giving up a certain part of the floor yep. but like they also have had success especially in early rounds like big men hate catching the ball in the short roll they just do and like i don't think that any of the pacers bigs were particularly decisive and they were able to attack um that space really they weren't able to attack that open space really well nor were they able to pass particularly well they kind of kept catching the ball in no man's land freezing for a minute and then uh letting the Cavs reset and while i do think the defensive intensity was better um and the pacers definitely made mistakes i just wonder like i mean if those if bigs like sabonis who yeah he can hit some mid-rangers but like if their bigs can't haven't figured it out by now they've had these looks the whole series and haven't generated a particularly good offensive rating uh, I, I don't know. My question is, you know, are they going to figure this out or is this strategy going to keep working? Right. Well, I mean, the biggest to me, the, the story of this series is that Victor Oladipo has not shot well at all since game one. And you just cannot have the guy who has the ball in his hands the most shoot as poorly as he has. And he was too. He's not getting tonight. as many good looks as he has. You I know mean, what? Obviously, his stats are worse, but 
I don't I don't know if that's completely true. He's getting quite a quite a few off the dribble looks, and those are not great looks for him. Right. Um, but they're still good looks, and, and nothing is coming out of that. They're not getting good offense out of that. Um, he's having trouble. You know, finally Cleveland is starting to weak him and push him to his left where he struggles finishing. So, like tonight uh, at the end of the game on the goaltend that LeBron had, um, you know, it, he was trying to he. Pushed him. If he had finished with his left hand, he makes that shot. He tries to finish with the inside hand with his right, and LeBron gets it um, and got away with a goaltend. But it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I it. I don't know. I think the thing with Oladipo though is, I think we always knew the jumper was going to come and go. I know he shot a really nice percentage this season, but uh, he. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he cooled off quite a bit down the stretch because uh, I mean he was just. I think he was shooting like 45% off the dribble the first half of the year, which was never going to continue. Um, but I don't yeah, think those he's numbers been able came to, back down to earth. Yeah, but those hard doubles that they're sending at him, while kind of basic and uh, you know against a better team, would be pretty ineffective. Um, but in the meantime, like he's not getting any runways to the rim uh, that he had in games one and two. So I do. I think it's a mix of yeah, he's icy, but he's also not really getting an opportunity to get any rhythm. Like the the old Tyron Lue thinks it's more complicated than it is playoff defense of hard trap the guy and make bigs make plays. I think it's actually working up better than maybe it has any right to, but it hasn't changed. It's not killed them. I think the biggest thing that that I haven't seen is. You know, he hasn't tried to hit the middle guy. So the guy, um, it, it seems to be Sabonis quite a bit as the, the screener, and then his man comes to trap. And he never hits Sabonis with the first pass. And that, to me, it just takes a, it makes everything take a long time. So he always hits the wing. Like, uh, toward the end of the game, he was hitting Corey Joseph on the wing. And then they have to make one more pass to the elbow. And even though Sabonis is still open, the defense is recovering. And so they're just not getting good. They, they're not getting the four on three that most teams would get against this trap. And I don't I honestly have no answer as to why that is. I, I, I don't think that I don't think they're trying to avoid it. I just don't think Oladipo is able to do it. I mean, at least yeah, he hasn't, so he hasn't shown that. Pass to make. No, it's not. But but plenty of guys can do it. And this is where the difference between you know Oladipo is is what I would you know I would call him a lead ball handler, but I wouldn't call him like a playmaking ball handler. I don't think he's that guy. While he can make plays, it's not like Steph Curry. Uh, it's not like LeBron. You know that right? It's that not at actually, that higher level. Exactly, and and it kind of takes that, especially the what, what they're doing. They're swarming with length as well, and and Oladipo is what six four. Yeah, you know not it's not huge. like he's huge. So yeah, I mean it's it's a smart play, but I still just don't get why they you know Oladipo could give the ball up sooner and they would get better looks, but he waits. The trap comes and then he's content. You know he's passing as the trap is there rather than when the trap is setting up. It's I don't know. It's a it's like a half a second difference, but it, you know, that's huge in basketball. Yeah, it I'm does make why a they really don't big. Just, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Justin. I said, yeah, yeah, it does make a really big difference. That half second is, it's what's worked against the Raptors in the past. Like it's the same strategy that the Cavs have implemented there, and you have to recognize that before it comes. And that just hasn't been the case with Oladipo. And as you guys both alluded to earlier, that 
those quick reads just aren't there for the Pacers. And I don't think that the the Cavs defense has really been anything special. But based on who they're going up against, it's been incredibly effective against this Pacers team and has made up for the fact that their offense has just been so terrible. I'm a little surprised that they haven't been uh, using Thad Young as the screener on those plays more than guys like Sabonis and Turner. Because Thad Young's a lot more comfortable putting the ball on the floor. Because, I mean, like, we can criticize Oladipo all we want, and I don't think we're wrong to do so. But, like, ultimately, Sabonis is getting a lot, a lot, a lot of possessions where he's wide open 17 feet from the hoop. Yeah, how about on a on a four on three? He's getting a lot of opportunities. He's not he's not converting them. I mean, there's that one play uh, in the fourth where he just threw the ball thirty feet above. I think it was Young cutting baseline above his head out of bounds. And it's like these are basic plays that like you know like any guard or forward can make, but bigs aren't comfortable doing. So I'm surprised they're not using Young there. I mean, how about Bogdanovich? <laughs> I mean, you know, like. It's not crazy to have Bogdanovich come up and be that screener. I mean, I know they don't have a ton of shooting, but they could stick Thad Young in the corner. They could have uh, Boyan be that that release valve for the for the trap. And honestly, I don't even know if Cleveland can still bring the trap because of how how well Boyan's shot the ball uh, in this series. Not to mention, he can put the ball on the on the floor and and make plays from there. So. I mean, there's tons of options for for the Pacers, and, and you know, hopefully this this doesn't rub your listeners the wrong way. I think that the Cavs are up three to two because the Pacers have made mistakes like this, not because the Cavs have been the better team. I, I, like, no, I I, de- I, a- I think we both agree with that. And, okay, and good. We've good. been fairly negative throughout this series. I am a little bit more encouraged after this game than I was after the game four win. Um, it. There, the process was a lot better for the Cavs uh, tonight. I, I don't know if you saw the same thing, but it seemed like they were able to generate open looks a, a little more consistently. And and right now, the the offense has to be the biggest concern for for the Cavs because uh, I think when they get into later rounds, you can't rely on the defense being this effective. Uh, right. As I said I, I don't think it, it's been great. The Cavs are, are going to win with offense and. and Credit to J.R. Smith and, and Kevin Love. Yeah, J.R. Smith and Kevin Love had just absolutely terrible games offensively, but managed to find ways to make a difference uh, in other areas. But ultimately, they're going to need guys to actually step up. They're going to need George Hill back. I think he makes a big difference to their offense. And the the role players are going to need to start stepping up. And uh, the fact that the Cavs have had so many opportunities in this series um, where the Pacers haven't really punished them for their struggles being up 3-2 right now is a very good position considering how poorly they've played yeah I mean I I agree with you I think any good offense eats against the way that they've been playing defense I mean that the defense I've had a lot of people in my mentions because I've talked about the Cavs defense being a huge deal all season and the, the defense isn't really doing that great it's just that the the Pacers have been pretty pathetic and uh, you know you you try to do what they're doing against Toronto, and I think you've got big trouble. Uh, maybe Boston doesn't doesn't hurt you, but the Sixers run you off the court. And so you know I, I think there's there are genuine concerns. I mean the, the biggest thing is you've got LeBron James playing like P 
peak LeBron James right now. I mean, he's just incredible. He goes to the basket whenever he wants, which sort of begs the question, why would he shoot anything but a layup? Uh, I know, I know we've all had, yeah, I know we've all had those thoughts, right? Um, But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, I don't feel good about either one of these teams winning this series, to be honest with you. It kind of feels like they're both losing. And I don't like me to defend the Cavs because like, obviously I think anyone who listens to this would tell you that I've been fairly critical of them over the course of this series. But like, I do think, I do feel as though you're understating the extent to which the strategy that they're using is done with intent of we believe that this will be effective against this personnel. Um, they haven't always defended. They don't always blitz every ball handler. You know, this isn't necessarily the strategy they're going to use against every team. Um, but it is the strategy they like to use against teams with mediocre playmaking, high volume scoring guards. And it's proven fairly effective against the Raptors in the past. It's, it's proven fairly like, I mean, consider the Pacers offensive rating in the series compared to what the Cavs gave up this year. It's been a pretty marked improvement. So I think, it, I think the strategy just says more about the Pacers personnel uh, as opposed to the Pacers execution. I don't think their personnel is good enough to consistently score on this defense. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I think that, you make a very good point there that this is probably not how they would try to guard uh, the Warriors, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they did during the regular season is also not going to work. So no, no, I mean yeah. they're going to be in trouble against good good offensive teams. Like we know this, mm-hmm. and they always were, and that's why the offense has been concerning. Um, which is why I think overall I felt a lot better after this game than I have after any other because like. This is a team that consistently generated good looks over the course of a game. And right. They and have and not if you want the series, if you want to look at the silver lining, you likely have Toronto in the next round, which is another team that loves to beat itself. So, right. As, yeah. As yeah as I mean, if you get the series, yeah. Indy doesn't know any better. Indy, they, they think that they can beat the Cavs and. I mean, they, they probably could. Um, it's a little tougher from this position, but uh, Toronto at least has some demons. So that that's my positive spin on this is you, you get out of this, it's smooth sailing. And I guess the, the Wizards still have a possibility of coming back from 3-2 because that series has been crazy. Yeah, I mean, Toronto, you know, kind of reverting back to their old ways when things got tight was unexpected. I, I honestly thought that they had turned a corner, and after having this hugely successful season, they would they would stick to the new habits rather than reverting to the old ones, and then they went away from them. So, um, Which and is I didn't delicious. watch the game. Yeah, and I didn't watch the game tonight because the NBA scheduled four games for tonight, and I, I like to watch NFL, one game. NFL draft season, baby. Actually, I think that th- this was how it was going to be, and just some of the series ended early because tomorrow there's only one game, and I think that. There were supposed to be three on the schedule for tomorrow, but they, the series ended. Now I don't know oh, why they didn't do the shuffling because it's on ESPN. Uh, that may—I mean—that may have been the case. I don't know, but uh, at least for the ESPN game, oh, yeah, I know it's TNT and NBA TV. I don't yeah, know. Get it together, Carter. Anyway, huh? yeah. So I, they don't feel the draft. I think I I'm pretty yeah. clearly speculating. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but but so I haven't watched that game yet um, because I like to watch one game at a time. I don't I don't think you can actually pay attention to more than one. Um, yeah, maybe you can't. Yeah, exactly. That's a good thing. Uh, I can I pretend. Like I can yeah. pretend. Um, but I think that uh, if you're Cleveland, 
and you're looking ahead, which hopefully they are not because they're not out of the woods yet either. Um, but if you're looking ahead, you have to feel pretty confident going against Toronto, who has fallen back into their old habits. And, and you know, you know that team. Uh, I still think having uh, OG and and Siakam playing the way that they have is is a huge improvement over what they have had to guard LeBron. Uh, and I'm not saying they're going to guard LeBron because I don't know that anyone really guards LeBron outside yeah, no of love Andre Iguodala. Damn. <laughs> well, I, you know, and actually, I was one of the people that was I was one of the people that was beating that drum last year. Oh, wow. P.J. Tucker, he'll at least be a big body. Way to, way to establish he your got, credibility for the audience. I know. He nice. got yeah, bodied. You, you just lost everyone. Yeah. 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 Um, but but with that being said, I, I think like it's not outside the realm of possibility, you know, for this Cleveland team who I thought really might lose this game tonight and, and very well should have, you know. Um, and should have lost the last game. You normally can't go seven and a half minutes without a field goal. Right. And uh, <laughs> I think that that they have to feel pretty good about getting to the conference finals. And, and it's crazy because, you know, two days ago, I definitely did not think that was the case. I, you know, I went back, I watched the tape, and I was just like, you know, they're going to just I have a feeling they're going to drop this next two. I thought they were going to lose in six, which is insane <laughs> to think. But, um, once the again, Pacers. way to really drive home your credibility to the audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, look, man, I like to admit when I'm wrong about stuff. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> unlike uh, other podcasts, um, Sheesh. yeah. Uh, but uh, but if I, you know, if I'm wrong about something, I, I like to admit it. But I also like to then go back and let me. Okay, what did I miss? What did I miss that that I saw tonight? And the big thing is just if LeBron is going to score forty plus points tonight. The Cavs are going to be tougher to beat. So there's there's the secret. LeBron has got to carry the weight and do everything, as he does typically, but this is with more scoring. And then hope that he can get, you know, 60 points out of the rest of the guys on his team. That's yeah, that's the, the frustrating that's the thing. We're now, we're now five games into the series, and we're five games into this shooting drought collectively from by the team i mean kyle corver was exceptional tonight and thank god for it because they they really weren't getting a whole lot from anybody else um but it does give me some confidence that there's going to be a game where the Cavs get rolling and look like the Cavs again offensively in this series and the fact that they have two chances to close this out makes me feel better that one of those games, one of those potential games, if it does end up going to seven, is going to be the game where the Cavs actually show up offensively. And I think if they do that, they're going to be really damn tough to beat. I, I don't know if Indiana can match that production. Um, so that's probably my the biggest source of confidence for me moving forward in this series. Man, I'd settle just for Kevin Love coming back. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Played the worst they were a mediocre a Cavalier. They were a mediocre offensive game away, uh, like from Love or Jr. Away from this being like a confident win. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think mean, I think this is the Kevin Love you're going to have for the playoffs. Um, why? That that thumb injury is a big deal. I mean, yeah, it is a big. You know, deal. when have you? Kevin Love's a really strong dude. When when have you ever seen someone just kind of sun him like Thad Young did? 
and just yeah, rip the ball out of his hands. I, I think that he's really struggling with that thumb. Um, and it, it's, it's uncomfortable it's to see how everyone is just mocking like that play and, and love in general when yeah. it's clear he's got a torn thumb in one of his hands. Of course, he's not able to hold on to the ball when Thad right. Young, who, yeah. who is a, a pretty big it, guy in his own right, is ripping it out. Yeah, it's affecting his shooting. It's affecting his rebounding, even though he had 10 tonight. But it's still like you can just tell. I even think it's it's affecting his aggressiveness when boxing out because it it's painful. You know, I, I think that I think this is a big deal. And I mean, it sucks that, you know, it happened in the playoffs. You know, it's a bummer, but it, it is what it is. He's got to figure out a way to play through it. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that you're going to get much more out of Kevin Love. Now watch him in game six come out and score 40 and shoot, you know, 15 for 15 from the field just because I said that. But. Yeah, that would be the trifecta of incorrect takes from you. So I'm <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about you setting the, the floor for that. Yeah, I think he I think he's better than four for 21 from the field. Right. Again, which is man, what he like, is right now. Uh, I think and, he can get better than that. And like he just needs to get to like 17, 18 points. For the yeah. Cavs to have a pretty good chance on offense. There's a subset of NBA fans that just do not accept that injuries are a part. While injuries are a part of the game and they have effect on the games, they're not an excuse. So I can say something like. told them. Right. Oh, if he's on the court, he can't be that hurt. Uh, that's bullshit. Yeah, if you're know. playing, you're no yeah. longer hurt. Right. Like, I mean, Damian Lillard missed. A bunch of games toward the end of the season because he sprained his ankle. I mean, he, his foot was black and blue up to his knee or whatever. Um, and then he struggled in in the playoffs. I mean, he came back early to play against the Spurs at the end of the season, finished the season, and then struggled in the playoffs. Well, an ankle injury, like an ankle sprain, if you've got a, a grade two sprain, which I don't know if, he, if it was grade two or grade one, grade one is like six weeks minimum. And that thing is still not right for months. This is why right. every time Steph Curry was coming back from an ankle injury, he kept tweaking that ankle because they're never right. It takes time, and I so the I to say he was he was actually hurt in the 2016 finals, and well, he was. Fan, uh, as no, Cavs I mean, fans, I know. we legally are not. Uh, oh, right, allowed yeah. to acknowledge, yeah, contractually right. well, uh, so, prevented. Yeah, so as, just, as just a non-fan, okay. But so that brings up an, another interesting point, right? So Steph Curry is going to be coming back from the same injury. Again, I mean, it, there's that. That's another thing. But anyway, so back to Kevin Love. I mean, he's clearly hurt, but he's playing through it. And, and you know, at a certain point, you have to wonder if that's a detriment to the team. But <laughs> I don't know who else they're going to play because uh, Chetty can't get off the bench. Yeah, I, I Tristan don't know. Thompson like, can't and, get off the bench. He's not a he's not a big man anyway. Uh, you know, I will say, um, and I am interested to hear what you think about this general theory um and it's definitely a rose-colored glasses kind of theory but you know whenever we have someone who's not us on the pod i like to bounce things off them i kind of theorize that a lot of these pacers um role players present tough matchups for the Cavs, um especially uh defensively like yeah. they, these guys are built to slow down the Cavs. Like rodney hood isn't very good at dribbling and everyone <laughs> on the pacers gets directly into your chest um, Jordan Clarkson gets tunnel vision uh, on offense, and Corey Joseph is one of the most dogged on-ball defenders in the NBA at the point guard position. That young is switchy and strong and can't be bullied by Kevin Love, and Jeff Green doesn't have a speed advantage on him. You know, like It just feels like this team very specifically has a lot of guys that give a lot of these Cavs role players problems. It's almost like 
Kevin Pritchard, when he was putting this this uh, team together, looked at the Cavs and said, "How can I? How can I beat the Cavs?" And then also predicted that they would change their roster to this in February. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, I mean, it, it's. Uh, Do you think that theory I, I think, is off base? I think no. I think it's a really good point, and and it goes to, you know, I, I thought the Pacers were going to win twenty seven games this year. That was my prediction. There's something else I was wrong about. Yeah, classic. You're, you're game. really doing yeah. yourself a lot of favors today. <laughs> but but you know I, I don't think I was alone there, right? No, um, no, I you were not. Going to be trash. But I I think it just it, it, you know part of it is is the personnel, and, and it just happens to perfectly match up against a lot of these new guys. But also I think Nate McMillan has done a really good job of instilling this idea, like, okay, here are your assignments. You were going to play to the scouting report, and if you vary from that. You're going to sit. I mean, we've seen it. And so, you know, I think that that's what you're seeing. Um, you know, Oladipo, any chance he gets, he's swiping at Rodney Hood when he's got the ball. I mean, yep. all these 100%. guys are. Uh, uh, Boyan is is laying on LeBron as the second he hits the elbow, whether there's a whether he's weak side or strong side. If LeBron's on the elbow, Boyan is laying on him with all of his weight. Literally and his full body weight. Yeah, and obviously we know how Lance plays against LeBron. So I think that this is just – it's a coaching staff that has done a really great job of getting those guys prepared. They're playing like they have all season. I think they're playing a, a bit over their heads. You know, I, I don't think that on paper they're this good of a team. Um, but I think you got to credit the coaching staff there. They've, they've done a really good job all year. And, and sticking to the scouting report, man, it's important. Like, there's a lot of people working hard on those things, and you'd be amazed by how many teams just ignore them. You know, well, yeah, uh, way, way to pump up the nerds, man. Well, I mean, here's, <laughs> you don't it's need the tape. truth, man. <laughs> Here, it's the truth. How many how many teams bite on every single Kevin Love pump fake? Right. I've seen that. They, he's gotten Thad Young twice, which in the heat of battle, that's pretty good, man. In Did you see games. the uh, the thing on there? I forget. I think it was Greg Doyle who said that before game one. The Cavs weren't watching film on the Pacers. They were watching film, or they were watching the uh, the Celtics game that was on before them, and like nobody was preparing. No one was uh, looking at game tape or anything like that. Wow. Yeah, I did not see that. No. Pretty, that, I mean, pretty Cavs. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, for a team that doesn't like to practice, I can. I, I'm not shocked by that. But then again, uh, you know. I don't think the Spurs watch a ton of film on other teams because, for the most part, teams run the same stuff. The, the difference the is the Spurs set set their own tone. They run what right, they run, right? But also, most teams run the same stuff. But the Pacers actually don't run the same stuff as everybody else. They're one of the teams that you probably do need to watch tape on. They do a lot of weird stuff. Like I couldn't even really tell you what sort of offense they run because it's that weird. I mean, they wind up with all these mid range shots that they shot a crazy you know high percentage on this year. Um, but I can't tell you like what their offensive philosophy is. Yeah. So that's a team you kind of need to watch. Weird. I mean, if you watch, you, you'll pick up the tendencies, but you're you're not going to just go in and say, okay, well, we know they're going to spread, pick, and roll us to death. We know, you know, we know they're going to flex quite a bit. We're, we know that, you know, they're they're going to just drive and kick and try to hit the shooter or you know a lot of hammer action. You don't know because they really just don't particularly do a whole lot of anything. That's one yeah. of the reasons why a and even though some of it, and actually a lot of it, is just joking around with the Raptors, um, there is parts 
of me that does think that there's aspects of that matchup that makes things easier. Like, you know what the Raptors are going to run. Um, it's a team that they're really familiar with, especially going up against what they do defensively. Um, whereas the Pacers, as you said, um, they, they do a lot of weird things. They have so many guys that... Um, can play both ends of the floor and there's not a lot of specialists that they they just do the this one or two things um they're yeah they're i was about a really to say team i was about to say like the thing about this pacers team that i found interesting um having watched them the last five games now and uh, as someone who has not enjoyed watching the series i don't think it's been particularly good basketball is there is a lot of just baseline competence on the floor for them like everyone on that team is pretty good at almost everything and that's um, huge and that's that, huge and especially against the Cavs, who are stocked with specialists i think that presents a lot of problems for them yeah and you'd be amazed by just having five guys on the court that don't make mistakes how far that can get you yeah i agree uh they've now, been i think nate mcmillan deserves a lot of credit for this team uh that absolutely. he's never gonna yep. get because everyone for whatever reason nba twitter decided he was a dumbass uh, based on nothing, based yeah, on nothing based at on all. what the the Portland team ran, which is not exactly the the most effective way to go about things. Um, based on my, what a very you know, good Portland team ran, yeah, by my, a very good Portland team. My only issues ever with Nate McMillan was Larry Bird saying he wanted to run, uh, play a faster pace and hiring McMillan, yeah, who that was, was consistently one of the slowest pace coaches in you know while he was a coach that was the only complaint i had i mean he, he the guy like he's Which well really regarded. A complaint about larry bird <laughs> right absolutely 100 um and the funny but, thing uh, is we we act like coaches are what they are and they don't get better and worse like throughout yeah, the Dwayne years Ca- like, look at Dwayne casey <laughs> yeah look at tom thibodeau <laughs> look at Actually, Ty Lu. he's gotten way worse he has gone worse and and some of that might be due to his health uh, problems and his ability to actually dedicate time and energy to, Absolutely. to his job. But um, the Casey thing is always interesting to me because people ripped him for um, what the offense they ran and things like that. And even at the beginning of the year, Lowry uh, uh, openly questioned it to the media. He's like, I don't know if I, I really buy into this. And, and People always act like whatever you see on the court is what the coach drew up, where it was clear that Lowry and DeRozan were just kind of freelancing and hijacking the offense at times. And we're seeing that even in the playoffs. What Toronto did that was interesting was they got rid of most of their assistant coaches. And you saw the the change there and the development um, on both ends of the floor and how much of a difference that made. But we always act like coaching is just done by one person who who never gets better or worse as time progresses. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it goes to show what an organization empowering a coach looks like this this season for Toronto. I mean, Dwayne Casey got the full kind of support of of the front office and I'm assuming ownership and, and, you know, was able to go in with that and also get buy-in from his players. And then, but... You know, now we're seeing in the playoffs, they're just reverting back. And this is, I mean, it, so let me ask you guys, just because, you know, you're, you're a little bit more plugged into the Cleveland stuff than than I might be, I think. Um, I hope. Um, <laughs> but so, so Ty Lu with all the health issues, and obviously this is a team that's kind of underperformed all season. I mean, if they don't make the finals, he's probably not back next year, right? 
Um, Whether LeBron stays or not. I don't know if he's going to choose to stay. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, with his health concerns, like, he's managing it better now, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just stepped down. Um, But, yeah, whether LeBron stays or leaves, I think that there's a chance that they'll evaluate that. Um, But I think his health is probably going to be the biggest factor. I, I think... Um, they're going to kind of present them with the opportunity and say, okay, what, what are you thinking? Let's, let's reevaluate this and see where it goes from there. For what it's worth, Lewis signed to a, f- signed a five-year extension in 2016. Um, so he's on the books for quite a few more years. Um, yeah. I think he would at, actually enjoy coaching a rebuild a more. Yeah, I think if anything, uh, the most likely because I think a loss prior to the finals pretty much all but guarantees a LeBron exit anyway. Um, I still and, don't think I still don't think that's the case. Really? Yeah, man. I, look, I, I am I'm of the opinion that that if LeBron was play for a championship next year, Cleveland still might be the best place to be. Um, it's not better than Philly. Yeah, but do you really it, think? Do you really think that LeBron to Philly makes sense? I mean, like maybe I'm I've just never thought it made sense. Okay, but, um, maybe I'm overthinking things. See, I I buy into what Brian Windhorst was saying on the low post that if LeBron is eliminated prior to the finals and you give him time to plot and contact players, he's going to form a super team. He's going to find a way to get him and Kawhi on the same team or or some other star we, we didn't see coming. There, there's going to be some sort of plan. Um, I I think that their their best chance of keeping him is making the finals. And then, I mean, well, and then coming up with something with the Brooklyn pick to offer. But I think his decision is going to be made oh, prior George, to the draft. Soon. Come on. <laughs> I, I think the decision is going to be made prior to the draft because um, if he's leaving, I think he's going to let the team know because he's going to opt into next year and get traded somewhere rather than just signing as a free agent. Um, that I think that's where the best options are for him. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and plus, like, it is like it's a win win for the Cavs because they could get something for him. Uh, and they also would have um, an answer prior to uh, wasting draft cap- capital on someone to try to convince him to stay, you know. Um, instead you could just move into a full rebuild maybe you take a project maybe you don't you don't have to trade the pick anymore um i think it makes the most business sense for lebron to inform the Cavs um prior to the draft but he also takes his time to make these decisions uh so maybe he leaves them in the lurch again <laughs> yeah I, but I've that actually... doesn't do much for him you know like right because they're not that they're not going to be that interested in helping him out at that point yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting summer for I mean for everyone, right? Like there's the Kawhi stuff. I mean, I, Paul George, I think he's probably just going to go to the Lakers, I don't know. Um, the Paul George thing is so weird because he should go to the Sixers. He would be perfect. I actually I, I tweeted about this earlier today, you know. Me too. Paul George, he's perfectly Oh yeah, it was your tweet that I <laughs> that I responded wow. to. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty meta. Um uh, yeah, Paul George would be perfectly like he would be the perfect guy to plug in. Um, he could he could defend. He can spot up. 
He can do a little bit off the dribble, but not too much. And you don't have to change your entire team culture and scheme to to fit him in like you would with, with LeBron. Not to mention, LeBron makes Ben Simmons, I don't know, what, what do you do with him? He, he can't really play him off the ball. You can't just post him up because Embiid really needs to kind of operate in that space. Um yeah, it, I, I think it Simmons. Simmons could coexist in the same way he and Wade did. Um, but, I, I mean, this is all hypotheticals. And yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, what what you almost never see what LeBron is pulling off coming. I could very well see him doing this, the same plotting that we're, we're theorizing here, but only with the Cavs. Like maybe love gets moved for one thing, the Brooklyn pick, and a package gets moved for something else, and that's exactly what I was thinking. That's why yeah. I think that's his best chance to compete. I mean, I even Tristan think, Thompson. Yeah, I I still think that you the easiest avenue towards keeping LeBron is sending some under the table feelers. <laughs> title of my sex tape. Um, uh, <laughs> some under the table feelers to Paul George's team, and well. Trying to convince them to do a Paul, uh, Chris Paul style opt in and trade. Yeah, well, I mean, Paul George, he, he's about to go home, so um, yeah, they're getting their asses beat. Uh, yeah, and I just think that if I mean George was damn near on the plane uh, to Cleveland this this past summer, uh, right? He's yeah. Not wait, wait to remind to me on LeBron. that one. That that is yeah. still the most frustrating thing India's done to I'll the Cavs hate all season. Kevin Pritchard till the day I die. <laughs> okay, he broke he broke our hearts by canceling that trade at the last second. Yeah, I mean, I listen. Losing Kyrie, this is one of the best things, though, right? It, it people have now realized how important Kyrie was to that team the last couple of years. Yeah, what's so annoying about it though is no one's acknowledging that we were right the whole time. Everyone called us stupid and like fanboys for uh, years. People only care when you're wrong. This is why I like to admit when I'm wrong cuz you uh, you take away all yeah. that fuel. Yeah, like all these people, we were just like, yeah, like I know he's not very good at defense and he's not like a pure point guard, but like no, like guys, you have to understand he's really important for the Cavs. And they're like but Delhi's lineup data is better. Man, like, I almost lost it today. I was listening to the open floor, and Ben Golliver was talking about how LeBron didn't appreciate Kyrie enough, and I was just sitting there wanting to like run back the highlights of everything <laughs> what that was said about Kyrie. I think uh, the media as a whole um, didn't appreciate Kyrie enough. Yeah, to the point that they almost like. Like they had me doubting whether I was right about it. <laughs> like I was like, maybe he does suck. I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Nope, he's really, really good, and always, pretty much, always has been. So the moral of the story is the Cavs are getting uh, Kawhi and Paul George this summer. Certainly yep. both of them. Yep, probably um, both. And and I mean, I think there's even there's a scenario where they can uh, they're going to get the number one pick and draft Doncic. And then all they need is, uh, you know, somehow they're going to trade for Embiid. I think they're going to trade Tristan Thompson for Embiid. That's that's what I'm hearing. I need you to know, <laughs> Dave, yeah. there's no way LeBron is signing off on drafting a European. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that most likely, I don't know if Aiton works because I don't think he, he's going to go with Clutch. Uh, that's still oh, the, yeah. that's a good thought. That's a good thought. Yeah. Um, I think he's. I, just, I think he's going with Wasserman. I just want Michael Porter to drop 
one spot lower than he should drop one spot lower than his floor should be and land at eight. But that would be amazing. Likely. I actually think I, I'll tell you what, man. Um, I don't know if you got how much draft stuff you've done, but have you seen any Jonte Porter? Um, yeah, he's a really nice role player. Uh, yeah, I, I watched a decent. He's no Mikael Bridges. Okay, yeah, but Jonte Porter's going to be a guy that that like the Spurs are going to wind up with somehow, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I saw him mock <laughs> like, to uh, Philly recently, and I thought that was a really good spot for him. Be great. I, he, he's going to be. I think he's going to be one of those guys. He maybe not a Hall of Famer, but he's going to play like twelve years and just be great. Like kind of like Channing Fry. Ah, oh, Channing. We hardly knew you, <laughs> man. Channing Channing would be. That's the thing with this series. There's guys. I understand why the trades needed to be made and they were the right decisions. But there's guys that they had in years past. Like when Love was struggling, all of a sudden Channing would come in like cold, hadn't played for a while, and just hit like six three pointers out of nowhere. Or or when LeBron's getting tired and the two man game isn't really working with him and Kyrie, Kyrie just goes, "Okay, well I'm I'm scoring 30. Like it, it, there's just all there were all those Plan Bs and, and breaking case of glass guys and and none of that has kind of been there for the Cavs. Like poor poor Rodney Hood, he he's going to be on milk cartons tomorrow in Cleveland. I feel bad for that guy, man. He needs to be better. There's just no way around it. Um, yeah, he, he I I thought he was going to be the uh, third leading scorer, but uh, we can yeah. confirm that has not happened. But they're up 3-2, and, and I would not have thought that after uh, thought that two games ago. Yeah, I, I, again, man, I, I thought they were done. And, you know, again, it, it's never great when you just depend so much on one guy. But that won him a title. It's, I don't know, it's, it's LeBron. That's all I can say. It's LeBron. And, and there's just not much that... Like, no one has an answer for LeBron. And so, if the other guys can just step up and, like you said, be mediocre, they could they could go to the finals again. There's going to be an offensive outpouring at some point in this series. I, I firmly believe that. Maybe it's game six. Um, as we wrap this up, how, how about we give our predictions for what you think is going to happen here? Dave, are they going, closing on six, seven, or are they losing this? I think Cavs in seven. I think, I think they just trade home games. For the rest of the series, Carter, uh, I think the Cavs are going to close it out in six here. I think uh, Indy knows that they their chance to win was this, these last two games, and I think they're not thrilled with themselves. <laughs> like they are not, they their swagger has taken a significant downturn, and I think that matters in a series where one of the reasons we thought they were dangerous is their lack of fear and their general like demeanor. Really, I thought was helpful. I think they've lost a bit of that, and I think the Cavs have figured out some stuff defensively to slow them down. And as you said, I think an offensive game has got to come soon. Floodgates game is coming. Yeah, I, I think that the last 30 seconds really broke the Pacers. Um, what a weird 30 seconds. Like, I was expecting a lot of reviews. Like, when Thad Young poked that ball out, it looked like Young poked it and it hit the baseline, and it should have been Cavs' ball, but then LeBron's elbow hit it. The The chase down block there uh, looked like goaltending. I was surprised that wasn't reviewed. Um, although I did see another angle where it looks like the little bounce of the ball was actually it coming off like the fingertips, like the, the, the finger roll there. film of LeBron's chase downs. 
Yeah, I was just surprised because they go to replay so frequently. Um, so I, I don't know if it was a chase down block or not, but uh, I mean, worst case scenario, it's a two point game, and LeBron definitely still hits that three. There's no way that uh, prior uh, events changing change the the future events, right? Mm, right. Debatable. Debatable. <laughs> I, I was being a little bit sarcastic there. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, I'm going to be really. People- I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see the last two-minute report on this game. Yeah. Me too. I'll say this uh, and before we end. I love that J.R. Smith is is so tired from pl- working hard on defense for the first time in a season and a half that he can't shoot anymore. <laughs> yeah. His legs are gone. Shout out to J.R. Smith. I'm going to give him credit as the Cavs' My guy second forever. Best. Yeah, it's him and Corver as like the number two and three so far in this series. So thank goodness for them. I don't know how great I feel about two of your best three players being in their 15th year in the league, but it is what it is. Um, so Dave, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, why don't why don't you plug your stuff? Uh, you know, catch me on Twitter at Dave Dufour NBA. My dog does not have a Twitter account, unfortunately. So you does can't it have catch an Instagram. All- you no, are I, well, he is he is all over my Instagram um, because, you know, confirm, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And uh, and then check out my podcast, which is on the NBA with Dave DeFore, uh, where it's uh, a little less Cavs homerism. Oh, stop. matter of fact, it's a lot of wow. The Cavs are really bad at defense. <laughs> Well, that sounds pretty similar Especially, to what we say most of the time. Yeah. So. To Although quote my I've, guy, Andy Liu, laugh, oh man, I can't even do a, how do you, just laughing out loud, offense oh, better. Yes. How about that? Well, you know, I've got a guy that's in my mentions who I actually finally muted. Who I almost every, went Lamau. That would have been ev- great. Every game, every game uh, in this series he has tweeted at me about the Cavs' defense, not realizing that it was more an indictment on the Pacers' offense than it is that the Cavs' defense has been good. Such is life. (laughs) Such is life. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for coming on. Carter, thank you for making time on your wedding week. Um, Enjoy that. I'm I'm sure we'll talk. Yeah, you're going to have to find a guest for... uh... For game six, because I there will is be no not podcast watching. after game six. That is, I actually I already me. volunteered as tribute for that. Uh-huh. But uh, he did. There, there's did. no podcast after game six. But uh, when the Cavs close out in six, uh, we'll have chops on to talk about the fraudulent Raptors and preview that <laughs> series. So um, that that'll be fun. So you guys can look forward to that. Uh, remember, support the podcast. Subscribe. Leave a rating, leave a review. Um, It's the best way to support the show. Tell your friends all about it. You can also email questions, feedback, and all that good stuff to chasedownpod at gmail.com. Hey, Justin. Yes? Before we wrap, can I make a quick shout-out? Sure. Hey, shout-out to Worth Walpert, uh, a loyal listener of the Chase Down, who sent me something off my wedding registry. Which is really nice. And wow. uh, he said that uh, he said he would do that since he doesn't have to pay for the podcast. Uh, so I just want to shout that out because I thought that was really nice, really unnecessary. And uh, uh, thanks for that, uh, Worth. And thanks for listening. Man, Sorry about shouts that. out to, to that. that that's no, awesome. Yeah, that's, hey, dude, that's start really listening good. to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I need well, listeners like that. <laughs> no kidding. Well, yeah, sh- shout out to Worth. Um, 
Matt, that, that is just absolutely awesome. And I've, I've said it many times before, but our listeners are the best. So thank you, you guys. And until next time, go Cavs. Oh, 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 o